0: In your Bibles to 2 Timothy, chapter 2, It's kind of where we're going to camp out tonight. Um, so this is just kind of a, a one-off deal. Um, Eric's gone through his teaching series, and we're going to have some other guys come up and teach. So this is really not tied into anything. This is just kind of, I don't know, he told me just to preach on whatever, and I started reading, and this kind of stuck out to me, so that's what you get. Second um, Timothy chapter 2, um, it does kind of, I think, link to what Eric's been teaching um, because he's, he's been using a phrase that what you believe matters. And I, I, I think this really ties well into that, but also maybe the phrase um, what you say and what you do matters um, would, would be kind of a good tie-in with uh, what we've got here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, and so one reason I kind of I kind of stuck to this uh passage is um as I was as I was reading um 2nd Timothy, you know, this was this was kind of at the end of Paul's life. Um the church was being persecuted, he was being in prison. He told Timothy, you know, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I mean, he knew like his end was near. Um and so he was writing this letter to Timothy and I thought I would kind of like to know like I mean, whatever Paul's going to write to Timothy at this point of his life is going to have some urgency to it um, because he knows he doesn't have much time left. And so, how, what's he going to encourage Timothy with? What, what, what advice or what, um, what commands is he going to give to Timothy as Timothy goes forward with his ministry as Paul's life is coming to an end? Um, and so, that really kind of got me thinking. And, and when I come across chapter 2, um, I thought this would just kind of be good to look at. Um, so this is not going to be like a huge in-depth word study of 2 Timothy, um, but we're just going to kind of run through it. And, and really um, what I want to get to is um, we've got, once we get to verse 14, um, from, from verse 14 to the end of the chapter, um, he gave Timothy uh, seven imperatives of Timothy, this is what you must do. Um, and so that's really kind of where I want to try to hone in on. Um, but before we do that, I really want to start at the beginning um, of chapter 2 and not just jump right into the middle of the chapter. So um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, <clears throat> Paul says, Then you, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And so just to kind of go back and look at this, um, it's kind of, Kind of some strange things that he's, he's kind of pull it, pulling out, some examples that he's given. <clears throat> um, but he starts off and, and he tells Timothy um, to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Um, and so I think when we look at that, you know, that's an encouragement for all of us. Um, to be strengthened in the, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that's the encouragement that he's given Timothy. And we have to remember, um, you know, at this time, as I said, the church is being persecuted. And so we don't know, um, we don't know what Timoth- Timothy's life was like. We don't know what his ministry was like quite at this time. But he, he may have been wavering. He may have been uh, scared. Um, you know, people around him were, were being thrown in prison. People around him were dying. And here he was taking the word of God and, and he was to teach it. Um, and I could just kind of imagine, you know, myself in that position. You know, we all like to think we would be like Paul and we would, you know, face this thing head on and, and not waver in our faith. Um, but it would be hard. You know, if, if we were being persecuted to that extent, um, it could be difficult. And, and our faith may waver a little bit. And so Paul here, he's encouraging Timothy. And he's saying, be strengthened by the grace that you have. Um, In Christ Jesus. And it kind of got me thinking about um, Ephesians chapter 6. And so if we will, let's let's just turn over there real quick. Um, Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 11. And this is the whole uh, armor of God. Where Paul says... Finally, be strong in the Lord and in st- and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil or the evil day, um, Having done, all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness, given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so, you know, Paul he kind of gives. Us this whole list of this is how we combat evil this is how we um how, c- how we can be strengthened in the Lord is is when we focus on these things when we when we guard ourselves um when we take this armor of God as he as he speaks and we put that on um because we're not fighting against physical powers um it's spiritual warfare and so that's why he he tells Timothy um be strengthened by this grace that you have in Christ This is a spiritual battle you're going into. Um, And I think we do well to remember that ourselves, that um, the things that we do battle, they are spiritual forces, and it's a spiritual battle. And we have to rely upon um, the Word of God. We have to rely upon the Spirit to help get us through those types of things. And he says, What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men. Um... And so here, you know, Paul is kind of giving Timothy the charge of teaching other guys. Um, Teach some other men the things that I taught you. And, you know, again, when we think about um, how does Scripture, how did the gospel make its way to people? Um, You know, the way God ordained that is that we would teach others. And, and again, if you go back to um, this time, they didn't have Bibles. And so they had to rely upon people to teach them. Um, and, so, and so Paul, he's kind of giving Timothy that charge um, to trust, to entrust uh, faithful men and teach them what, what he's heard, teach them what he knows. Um, and, and again, that's kind of God's plan on, you know, how the word spreads. Um, you know, how do we learn? What the word says is, is through teaching. And, and we teach others so they can teach others. Um, it's kind of a domino effect. And that's kind of what he's reminding Timothy of here. And then he goes on and he says, um, sharing suffering is a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's a hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. And he says, think over these things, the Lord will give you understanding. And so here, Paul kind of gives some examples of really kind of Timothy's attitude of how he is to pursue these things, how he is to teach others, um, how he is to be strengthened uh, by grace, how he is to fight this spiritual battle. And he kind of gives the examples of um, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And again, if, when we read these things... Um, it kind of goes back to um, being focused. You know, he, he says the soldier he doesn't get entangled in civilian pursuits. His aim is to please the one who enlisted him, and so he has a focus. He has a goal. Um, his goal is to please the people that's enlisted him, not to not to get entangled in civilian pursuits. And and you know, I've not I've not been in the military. I know many of you have. Um, but I could just imagine, you know, you're given a command, but instead of following your command, you're in town, you know, living it up. I mean, you're not doing what you were commanded to do, you're not fighting what you're commanded to fight. Um, instead, you're getting wrapped up in something that really doesn't matter. Um, Paul's telling Timothy, no, you're a soldier of Christ, and you have a battle, and you have to please the commander. Um, So don't get distracted. Remain focused on what you're called to do. Um, The same thing with an athlete. He says um, an athlete's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. If you want to win the prize, you have to play fair and you have to play hard. Um, Again, it, it, it calls you to focus. It calls you to, there's the goal, my aim is to get there. Um, so I can't get distracted. I can't get distracted by um, things that don't matter. And then he also talks about the farmer um, and his crop. And again, it, it's all about focus. It's all about having your eye on the goal, having your eye on the end, um, and not, not getting distracted and not wavering. Um, so he uses those three examples, again, to en- encourage Timothy on this is what you need to do. Um, and again, I could just imagine the type of distraction that he would have. You know, with with the persecution and things going on, um, it would be easy to get sidetracked and to think about worldly things. You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? Um, and you lose focus on the spiritual things. You lose focus on teaching the word. And, and here, this is what Paul is reminding Timothy of. And so I think, you know, for us, we can take, this same advice and apply it to our lives. Um, We have to remain focused. Focused on what's important, focused on the word. And you know, we live in a time where um, there's distractions in our fingertips, you know. Um, We can get distracted by just the smallest things. Um, Cell phones are great, but they're also terrible because (laughs) That, that's just the thing you go to, and, you know, you go down a rabbit hole of, you know, next thing you're watching cat videos or something, you're like, what in the world am I even doing? Um, You've you just got distracted, you Jeannie's laughing because she watches cat videos. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Actually, she don't. <laughs> um, but it, it's so easy, it's so easy to get distracted and just to waste time and to lose focus on the things that are important. Um, And before you know it, you know, a day goes by, a week goes by, a month goes by, a year goes by, and you look back and, you know, what have you done? You know, have you been focused on Christ? Have you been focused on the word? Have you studied? Have you read? Have you prayed? Um, Or have you just kind of coasted aimlessly through life? And it's so easy to do that. Um, And here, this is Paul's encouragement to Timothy and Paul's encouragement to us is to stay focused you know you are to be as a soldier you are to please the one who's in command and not get wrapped up in these crazy civilian pursuits stay focused on the job um i think we would do well to remember that then if we go to verse eight paul tells timothy says remember jesus christ risen from the dead the offspring of david as preached in my gospel for which I'm suffering, bound with chains, is a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that I may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so here, Paul is reminding Timothy of his situation, for one thing, um, that he is bound. He is in prison. His life is coming to an end. Um, But then he encourages him by saying, you know, don't think about me and my situation. Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as I've preached in my gospel. That's who I'm suffering for. I'm doing this for Christ um it's easy to have a pity party but but paul saying don't do that remember christ that's who your focus is on um he says even though i'm bound the word of god's not bound and i think man that's awesome that, that's an awesome way to approach that um because paul even though he was in prison he's like the word of god's not in prison like this thing is still going to spread um, Timothy, you're going to spread it. You're going to teach men, and they're going to spread it. Like, like, you can't stop the word of God. You can stop the people, but you can't stop the word of God. It's going to spread. Um, and I kind of think about, you know, when you go back through Acts and uh, how, how the church was growing, and then persecution came, and it split. And people went to other countries, and you think, wow, that's terrible. But then it says, but the gospel went with them. It's like, well, how did the gospel get to all these other places? It's because of persecution. It came. They were trying to stomp the church. And instead, it spread like a fire. You know? And it's like, that's pretty cool. Like, that, that's how God uses things like that. That's how God uses persecution. You know, Paul was being persecuted. But yet, the word that he was teaching was going to spread. And, and you think about... um. You know, you think about like pyramids and things like that where, um, you know, I've seen examples of people talking about sharing the gospel where, you know, if you share with one person and then you both share and you both share, like, like you think about how things multiply and how much, how much reach that has. And, and here, you know, Paul was one guy. Like Paul could teach a lot of people, but he was still one guy. But now if Paul taught Timothy... And Timothy taught some other guys, and, and Paul taught other guys, and Peter taught other you, you see how that kind of just starts spreading, that now you're not relying on one or two people to take the word of God to the masses, but now everybody's doing that. And, and that's kind of what, what Paul's reminder is here. is he's like, "Yeah, I'm bound, but the word of God's not." And we have to remember that that, you know, um, no matter what comes our way, The word of God's going to spread, and he uses people to do that. Um, And it's not just pastors that he uses that for, but he uses all of us for that. Anybody can go talk to somebody about Christ, about salvation, about these types of things. Um, And I would dare say that's probably where a lot of people get saved. It's not because they attended church. It's because somebody witnessed to them. Somebody shared the word with them. Um, and that, that's, that's God's plan on how the gospel goes out. It goes out through people. And so we all have to kind of do our part and, and, you know, again, not look at um, or rely upon one person to do it or a couple of people to do it, but it's kind of all of our job to continue on in this. And I want to go ahead and kind of get down... Um, to verse 14. And this is kind of where we're going to kind of spend just a little bit of time. I'm looking at verse 14 through the end of the chapter. And again, like I say, there's um, seven imperatives here. And um, I'm not like a English whiz or anything like that. And so, you know, some of these terms um, may seem kind of strange, but, you know, basically an imperative is just a command. Um, you know, you think if, if something's absolutely imperative, like that's something you must do. Like this is not optional. And so, so when we see these words that Paul's giving Timothy, he's giving him something that this is not optional. This is not advice that, you know, hey, you should do this. Um, but it's more of a command that you must do this. Um, so when we say something's imperative, that, that's kind of what we mean is, is this has to happen. Like, this is what you must do. Um, I kind of thought back to, you know, the, the Great Commission and the, the conference we had. <clears throat> and, you know, there was one imperative there. And the imperative was to make disciples. And, you know, sometimes people focus on the other words. You know, like, go. Like, we must go. Well, yeah, you, I mean, go, that's, that's an action. That's a verb. But the, the imperative is you must make disciples. Like, that's what Christ has called us to do. Um, and so it's kind of the same thing here where um, Paul's going to use some of these words. He's telling Timothy, like, this must happen. Like, this is what you must do. Um, so we're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to kind of pull these out. Um, and again, I hope that when we see the command of Timothy that we take this to heart, that we look at this as a command to us as believers, um, that we must do these things. So verse 14, it says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. And so here we have the first imperative um, and it's to remind them, to remind who? Well, you know, he just talked about um, entrusting faithful men to the word. And so Paul's saying, remind these guys. As, as, you, as you entrust others with the word, remind them. Remind them of what? Of all the things that he just talked about. Remind them of Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, um, as preached in the gospel. Remind, remind them that, you know, if we've died with him, we'll also live with him. Remind them of, the, of these things. Remind people of these things. And it says, charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting because, you know, again, if we go and we look at the day we live in, um, especially with social media and the availability of people's opinions, there's a lot of quarreling with words. There's a lot of, you know, Man, if, if somebody posts anything religious at all, there's going to be all kinds of opinions about it. Um, if you post a scripture, people's going to have comments, you know, and, and that's just the world we live in. Um, and we can get caught up in that. We can get caught up on social media, wanting to argue our case to people that we don't even know that's not really going to listen to what you have to say. They don't care. They, they've got their mind made up. And, and we kind of get caught up in that, um, and Paul, he, he says, don't quarrel over words, which does no good. They're only ruins the hearer. Like, you're not going to win the argument. You know, not that we don't defend our faith, not that we don't, you know, tell people about Christ or, or give an account for what we believe. Um, but there's a way to go about doing that. And it's not arguing over words. Um, and, and so, again, he's reminding Timothy of this. You know, be focused on what's important. Don't get caught up in this side thing over here um, that's going to occupy all your time and you forget the main thing. Um, man, stay focused. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. And again, we have a, an imperative here um, to do your best, or um, maybe you could put it to be eager. Um, to be eager to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And, you know, when I, when I kind of think about that, I think about, you know, how many things am I eager to do? Um, the older I get, the l- shorter that list gets. Um, you know, I used to be eager to do a lot of things. Now I'm not eager to do much of anything anymore. Um, but that eagerness—that—that's like, I mean, that's that's your motivation. That's the thing that you desire. That's the thing you strive to do. If you're eager to do something, you you want to you want to put everything you have into it. And here, Paul says to do your best or to be eager to present yourself to God as one approved. And it's like, whoa! Like I don't. I don't think about that like when I get up and live my life every day I'm not thinking about how eager I am to present myself to God as as somebody as one approved I, I'm I'm just doing what I have to do I'm you know working a job and you know going home and doing things like that and and you know it's easy for our mind to not go to these spiritual things and not go to I mean am I pleasing God with my life Am, am, am I eager to serve? Am I eager to teach? Am I eager to learn? Um, you know, that's the attitude that Paul is telling Timothy to have. Is to have this, this attitude of being eager. Like, this is the imperative. You must do this. You must be eager to present yourself to God as one approved. <clears throat> and he tells him how to do it. He says, a, wor- a worker um, who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of, God, a word of truth. And so, again, he's bringing the word into this. And he's saying, if you want to present yourself to God as one approved, handle the word rightly. Handle the word truly. Like, this is the thing that's important. And, man, again, it's just, you know, it's hard for us to do that. It's hard for us to think about that every day, that, that this is the most important thing. Like This is where I have to spend my, my time and my energy and my focus so that I can stand before God and say, Lord, I've, I've done everything I can with your word. I've taught, I've, I've learned, I've shared. Um, he's telling Timothy, Man, this is what you need to do. And, and again, this is what we need to do. We need to take the word as this is what's important today and not just something I have to do or something I'm supposed to do, but it's, it's something that we're eager to do, um, that we're eager to, to rightly handle the word of God so we can stand before the Lord and, and, and that he would be, you know, proud of the service we did, that, that we handled it rightly, um, that we stand before him approved. And he goes on, he says, But avoid ir- irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. <clears throat> um, And again, he's got an imperative here, which is avoid. And so he's kind of telling him, this is what you must do. And now he's telling him, this is what you must avoid. This is what you need to stay away from. Um, So you're not going to quarrel over words. You're going to handle the word of truth rightly. And you're going to avoid irreverent babble. And I thought, well, that's kind of a weird term. Like I don't use the word irreverent babble very often in my vocabulary. Um, Don't think I've ever used that in my vocabulary. Um, So I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, But, you know, I I looked up the word irreverent just in the dictionary, and I I don't remember the exact definition of it, but it's basically um, something you do without regard to respect. And so you think about irreverent Bible as it's not respectable. You're not respecting the Lord you're not respecting the word it's just it's crazy talk is basically what it is um, and it, it says it would lead people into more and more ungodliness and, and so and so whatever you're doing whatever you're talking about it's leading people astray it's taking people away from the word and it's turning them more and more ungodly and you know, I think, well, how easy is that to do? Like, how easy is it to, to talk about things that don't matter? And, you know, maybe somebody starts pursuing what you talked about and, and they become more and more ungodly. But, you know, the one thing that really kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this, um, so if you, were, if you were part of our church early in the beginning, um, we actually had somebody that came for a little while that I would consider was speaking irreverent babble. He was saying things that were just—I mean—they were out there. And um, you know, talking about leading more and more people to ungodliness, leading people astray. Like like this stuff was weird, and it was confusing, and and, and people were getting upset over things that he was saying. Um, because it was, I mean, it was strange stuff. If, if you weren't part of it, you have no idea. Um, but if you were here, you know exactly what I'm talking about, um, because it was it was irreverent babble. It was just, I mean, weird, spiritual, not even going to go into it, but yeah, it was strange stuff. Um, that was kind of what came to my mind when I, when I saw that phrase. It's just, we're going to talk about things that are just, they're out there and it's going to drag people away from the word of God. Um, we're not going to pursue that stuff. And he, that's what he's telling Timothy again. Rightly handle the word of truth. Avoid irreverent Bible. They kind of go against each other. You know, do one. You're, you're going to do one and not the other. Um, and again, coming back to us, that's what we must do. <clears throat> he says in their talk, was spit are spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius, I guess that's how he says his name. I don't know, and Philetus. I think we need to add a "us" on the end of our names. I think that would that would make us sound more cool. And if we had, you know, Ericus, <laughs> Pastor Ericus, you would sound more biblical, I guess, or more Greek. I don't know. <clears throat> um, but anyways, these two guys were part of the people who were spreading this irreverent Bible. Um, and it says among them are these two guys and um, who swore from the truth saying that the resurrection's already happened and they're upsetting the faith of some. And so you've got these guys who were who are speaking something that wasn't true, but it was upsetting a lot of the believers because maybe there was some doubt. Like maybe, maybe what they're speaking is true. Um, they're saying the resurrection's already happened. Maybe it has. And so it was kind of, was kind of upsetting people. They weren't handly, rightly handling the word of truth. They were spreading, these falsehoods, this irreverent babble, um, and Paul kind of caught them out. If we go to First Timothy one, verses eighteen through twenty, is that right? Yeah, it's down there. This guy shows up again. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good war- warfare, holding faith, or holding faith and a good conscience. But rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus, there he is again, and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And so this guy apparently was well known and he wasn't a very, guy, very good guy um, because Paul was handling, handing him over to Satan because he was blaspheming. And here they were saying that he was teaching that the resurrection's already happened. And so this guy, he's got some weird theology and he's spreading around people and it's upsetting people's faith. And Paul, he, he says their talk was spread like gangrene, um, which is not maybe... It's, something we talk about a lot. Um, But it can also mean a cancer. And you think about that, um, it's a disease and it spreads. Like if it's not dealt with, it'll spread. Gangrene will spread. Um, Cancer will spread. And so if you have a disease, you got to deal with it. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. He he says their talk will spread like that. If you don't deal with that, it's going to spread like a cancer. If somebody in here is bringing up irreverent babble and, and and upsetting the faith of some. Like If we don't deal with that, it's going to spread. And it's going to keep spreading. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy. You've got to cut that off. You've got to make sure you deal with that. We have to rightly handle the word of truth and we've got to stop anything that's going to spread and upset the faith of others. Um, and again... Coming back to us as a church, like this is our job. Um, you know, as elders, we would do what we can, but it, it's also everybody's job. If somebody is coming to you with this crazy talk, you, you got to cut that off. You, you can't let that spread. You can't be the one to help spread it. Um, it. It's for the good of the church and it's for the good of the people that that we cut this kind of thing off. And that's what he's reminding Timothy of. Um, You've got to stop that. And then he goes on, he says, but God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows those are who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And here I just think he's given just a great reassurance of the salvation of people. That yeah, even though somebody may come in and spread irreverent Bible and people's people's faith may be upset or may be shaken, the fact stands that the Lord knows who are His. If you're a child of God, you're a child of God. And, you know, people can come and try to throw darts at you and, and make you doubt what you believe, and maybe you do doubt what you believe because of what's coming at you, but the end of the day is the Lord knows who who's are His. And if you're His... Paul tells us, depart from iniquity. And this is another one of his imperatives. You must depart from iniquity. You know if you're a child of God, if God has claimed you as his own and you name the name of the Lord, you must depart from iniquity. And so this is another command um, that Paul's given. And he says, now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver... But also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, youthful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And so here he's giving us some more examples or or things to think about. Um, And this time he's using vessels in a house. And he says... Some are gold and silver, some are wood and clay. Um, I don't have any gold and silver vessels in my house, so I guess I don't have a great house. Um, I've got some wood vessels, and I don't know if we've got any clay vessels or not, but at the time, that was probably a little more popular than, than it is now. Um, but he says in a great house, you've got both of these. You've got gold and silver, you've got wood and clay. Um, but the thing he points out is that some are... For honorable use, and some are for dishonorable use. And kind of the neat thing here with, with this whole little thing that, um, this whole example that he's given, is he talks about if one cleanses himself from what's dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house. He didn't say that all the gold and silver is honorable and useful to the master. He said, "Whatever has been cleansed." Um, and so I think that's kind of cool because sometimes when we when we first read this, we kind of think, "Oh, yeah, the gold and silver is the good stuff, and the wood and the clay is the bad stuff." But no, it it doesn't. It's not based on appearance. Um, and I think, well, that's kind of neat because we think about appearance. What this stuff looks good, this stuff looks dirty, um, but it's not based on appearance. And we know that um, it's based on cleanliness have you been cleansed if this has been cleansed it's good and honorable and it's useful no matter how it looks and if it hasn't been cleansed it's dishonorable and it's to be thrown out um i kind of my mind kind of went back to um romans chapter 8 so let's turn there for just a moment Romans 8, starting in verse 20. Not Romans 8. Man. Romans 9. I can't read my own writing. (laughs) writing's terrible. Romans 9. I was like, that don't look right. Um, Romans 9, verse 20. Says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded? Say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has a potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy which he's prepared beforehand in glory? And so here again, we kind of get this example of, of these different vessels, um, some that are for honorable use, some that are dishonorable. And, and the comparison here is the honorable vessels are believers, and they were made honorable to show the riches of God's glory, and he endured with much patience the vessels of wrath, the dishonorable vessels. Um, and so when we kind of go back and we look at what Paul's talking about, it's kind of the same thing. That we see, hmm, wrong page. He says, in the, "In the in the great house, there are vessels of gold, silver, wood, and clay, and some's for honorable use, and some for di- is for dishonorable. And so, if we're cleansed, we're a vessel of honorable use. And so, again, he's he's reminding Timothy one that yes, we must be cleansed." Um, But also, that we must be ready for every good work. And again, it it goes back to, as he's reminded Timothy, to stay focused and to be prepared, to stay diligent on what's important. Um, And then he goes on in verse 22, and he says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And again, this is actually two of our imperatives are here in verse 22. Um, to flee and to pursue. So again, it's kind of this opposite thing. You flee youthful passions, you pursue righteousness. And so it, they're opposites. Um, and you think about, you know, some of us older people, you think about youthful passions, and it's like there was just a lot of evil going on. That's kind of what young people like to do. Um, Paul Paul says, flee that. You run from it, and you pursue righteousness. You run away from sinful desires, you pursue righteousness. Um, Again, these are his imperatives that he gives Timothy, um, and they're imperative for us, that we must flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And he says, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so, again, that's where he's bringing everybody into this. It's not just Timothy. It's not just the teachers, but it's everybody. If you call yourself a believer, um, we must do these things. He says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And so here we have our last imperative where he says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Um, Again, that's the, the word to refuse or to avoid that. This is something we must not do. This is something you must avoid, foolish, ignorant controversies. And again, it kind of goes back to the same thing as the irreverent Bible. It's just something that's going to be a distraction and there's not going to be anything good come out of it. Um, and we can all pursue foolish, ignorant controversies um, because sometimes they're fun. But we have, to, we have to avoid that. We have to not go down that rabbit hole Um, not go down that trap because he says they breed quarrels and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everybody and so again it's just this opposite of you don't do this because it's going to lead to this and if you're a believer this is not who you are this is not what you do Um, and so we have to kind of take all that to heart So just kind of really a quick recap um, of these imperatives that Paul has given Timothy and in turn given to us, um, that we are to remind each other of who we are in Christ. That we're to be eager to present ourselves to God as one approved, that we avoid irreverent Bible, we depart from iniquity, we flee youthful passions, we pursue righteousness, and we avoid foolish, ignorant controversies. And I just think this is something that's easy for us to get trapped into. And it's just a good reminder of, man, if you're in Christ, these are things that we have to avoid and these are things we have to do. Like we've been called by God to live a godly life. That what we do matters. What we say matters. You know, the things that um, of this life, it does matter what we do. um, And we must please God with, with the way we live. And so sometimes it's easy to get caught in these little side pursuits but we must remain focused Um, so let's pray together Lord again we're just grateful God for your word God thank you so much for your great love and your mercy that you've given us Lord help us as we live our lives God to live a life pleasing to you God help us to avoid uh, things that don't matter help us to avoid the foolish controversies of life and just irreverent babble and um, help us to avoid iniquities and and passions and desires that we have, God, of the flesh. And Lord, help us to live a life that's pleasing to you. Lord, may we pursue you daily. God, may we pursue your word and your understanding daily. Um, God, help us by our, your spirit God, to live this life pleasing to you. Lord, help us to share your gospel with others help us to teach each other and to encourage each other in the word god we love you and we thank you we pray in jesus name amen